Welcome into episode 11 of Sunday Matinee. As always, I'm your host, Jordan. I'll be joined by my co-host, Mason, here in just a few moments. Uh, We took a little break for an episode or so just so we could have some time to do some things we had on our schedules. Uh, I was on vacation. Mason was doing some other stuff. So, But we're finally back, and just as we promised in episode 10, where we did a snake draft of Christopher Nolan's films, we're going to be talking today about his newest film, Tenet. We're going to be talking about the things we like, the things we dislike, and uh, basically give it a score. This is our. We don't want this to be a become a movie review podcast. However, we do want to make sure that we talk about new movies when they come out, and if we wind up giving it a score out of 10, then just so be it. But hopefully this doesn't become a movie review podcast. We want it to be about so much more than that. However... In just a second, I'm going to get Mason in here with me, and we're going to talk about the new film, Tenet, what we like, what we dislike, and whether you should go see it or not. So I'll be right back with Mason, and we'll get into the movie. Peace. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Sunday matinee. It's been a minute and a half since we've last recorded an episode. Um, I'm currently sitting in my car because I'm tired of having to lock myself in my, basically my closet to record episodes at my house. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley had a girlfriend over tonight to watch Dancing with the Stars. So instead of pulling a Harry Potter and putting myself in the cupboard under the stairs, I decided to go get me a, a PSL and sit in my car at the Starbucks. So if you hear cars passing by, my car is stationary. I'm not moving at all. My car is actually off. You can hear, there's my keys. They're in the cup holder. Um, but it has been a minute since we've been here. So, Mason, what have you been up to while we've been gone? We took we took an episode break because of a few reasons. I, I was on a little vacation over Labor Day weekend. Uh, you had been starting. You started a new job. My wife and I had a gender reveal party, and so we were just kind of encapsulated by that whole process. So what have you been up to since we last talked about Christopher Nolan? Yeah, man, not not too much. You know, the the new job was a big part of it. So been busy training, selling, doing all that good stuff. Uh, but outside of that, you know, nothing, nothing too huge. I do want to make a quick comment. I love PSLs and I, I don't, I'm not ashamed of that at all. I've recently um, become a big P fan, like pumpkin, of pumpkin things. Um, I used to not like, I don't, I, do you like pumpkin pie? Because like it dude, dude, I'll eat anything pumpkin. Yeah, I like pumpkin pie. See, like I was never a pumpkin person, um, and I, I guess growing up at Thanksgiving, we never really had pumpkin pie. We had like a like a a, a pecan pie. We would always have. I pecan. like it more. Yeah, yeah. We we'd have a pecan pie, or we'd have like you know just some kind of variation of chocolate, something or other. Um, and then I had pumpkin, I had a slice of pumpkin pie, I don't know, probably last around last holiday season. I was like, Oh, this isn't that bad. And then have you ever, have you been to the, it's a cookie place. They, it's called crumble. I think I've told you about this. Do they have one of those where you're at? I don't think so. I, I think I've been in Nashville though. Yeah. So they, it's like, it's like, you know, a few years ago, like the, like we went as America through like this cupcake phase where, like, a bunch of retail cupcake, like, that made extravagant cupcakes popped up. Um, and now it seems to be, like, freshly made, like, jumbo cookies. And so there's this place called Crumble, and they have they have two, like, state, they, they have six different cookies every week. And you can just go get them like donuts. Like, so four, four of the six rotate every week, but then every week they also have a sugar cookie and a chocolate chip cookie. So every Sunday they they add four new cookies. So this week, as we're getting into fall, because I think today the day that we're recording this, which is September twenty second, 
was the first official day of fall. Okay. So this week they had a pumpkin. The cookie itself was a like pumpkin cinnamon cookie, and then mm. they had chocolate chips in it. And bro, it was it's out of this world. It's so good. I'll um, say that uh, us as a nation moving from cupcake to cookie, I'm very proud. Proud to be yeah. an American. Probably uh, back to cookies. Because you remember, did you ever like go to a mall and there was like a great American cookie? Dude, oh my. That's the only reason I went to the mall. I was like, Mom, yes, I'll go to Macy's. Can I get an Auntie Anne's pretzel in one hand and a great American cookie yeah. in the other? I my The funniest thing is, and I think it's kind of adorable, My every we would go to the mall like when I started dating my wife and we would go to the mall with her parents to shop around or just, you know, as you do, you go to dinner and it's like, hey, let's go walk around the mall you know, walk off our dinner or maybe buy something. My father-in-law and mother-in-law, who are not like huge sweets people, I mean, they like sweets as much as the next person, but every time they go still, if we go into the mall, they have to go to the Great American Cookie and get a cookie. It's like a, it's like a staple thing. So uh, I'm all about cookies. So it, with Crumble now, it's like a, every week we look at the app to see what cookies they have, and then they sell them in like boxes of four, you can get a single cookie or you can get like a box of four or you can get a dozen cookies and it's like 20 bucks, but they're like, they, you always get them. They're hot and they're fresh and like, they're not crumble. I mean, the name is crumble, but they're not like hard. They're, they're like soft in the middle, but just enough like crust on the outside. So they don't like completely just goop into your hand. Um, yeah. So they have an insomnia great. cookies close to, uh, close to Libby and I, and I don't know if you've had those, they are super heavy. They're really mm-hmm. good, but they're like, you can just taste the butter so yeah, evidently sure. in every bite. And um, Libby is very easily filled up, specifically on sweets. And I'll go and I'm like, oh, well, I'll probably just get four of them, you know, two for each of us. That makes sense. Right. Knowing full and well, she's going to eat like half of one and be like, oh, it's too rich. And I'm going to like here. shame eat three and a yeah, half. Yeah. Just um, crying and crying as you look yourself in the mirror as you stuff <laughs> chocolate chip cookie into your face. <laughs> no, I've been there as a recovering fat person. As both of us been recovering fat people, we've eaten and cried into the mirror before. Uh, there's, uh, I, be, I, 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 I've done it. I can't. There's I can't a non-zero percent chance I've done that before. But yeah. you know what? I, I've, I pitched this to my to Libby before. Um, I was like, recovering fat people are incredibly humble. Like, like they're never going to have a huge ego issue. They also have great personalities because they had to have one. They weren't just cute in middle school. You know, it it wasn't great for me. And so I had to be funny. I had to be, you know, fast on my feet and socially agile. So even if I wasn't physically agile at that time. I have to stay humble because I know that like in the deep recesses of my mind, like I'm one bad Thursday away from being 300 pounds. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm just teetering on the edge. Um, And all it really takes is just a bad day. I'm Um, a, I'm a nothing bunt cake buntini away from ruining it all. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the true. It, you know, there's no, there's nobody that I, you know, I would suggest if you don't have any either fat or recovering fat friends, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. I think so too, because here's the thing: I can still put it down like I, I'm still a just massive human being. 
like yeah, that doesn't catch, that doesn't leave catch you. me. You're not ever gonna catch me slipping at the Golden Corral. Like I'm always <laughs> on my game. <laughs> oh. Get me away from the Shoney's breakfast buffet, bro. I'll tear it into some Shoney's breakfast buffet. I think it, Golden Corral. That's the one that has like eight different yeah, genres like of get, food in yeah, it, right? Can, yeah, and you can get like a plate with a slice of pizza a half rack of ribs and like stir fry and then you can dip it all into their chocolate fountain and then have a seat. That's 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 what Golden Corral is. Yeah, so that that's the one I went to a Colts game with some buddies a few years ago and we stopped at a Golden Corral on the way back. I'd never been before and I it, it was just something I saw. I was like sushi, steak, pizza, ribs, Mexican food. In my eyes, just like I think I was really hungry too. I was sick as a dog the whole ride home. Um, but I mean, I'd still go back. Yeah, Golden Crow's like they were like, "What if a schizophrenic fat person were a restaurant?" And then that's how we got <laughs> Golden Crow. <laughs> oh, Golden I haven't been to a Golden Crow in years, and it's probably for the best. It's definitely for the best of my weight, my waistline. But so you know, it's been a while since we talked. But also, you, you, we were talking back and forth. I don't know how many of our listeners. I know that there's a lot of friends that we have that we know that listen to this, and I'm thinking of a few just in mind. You know, that play video games. You know, like Cayman. Cayman, what's up, Cayman? I know you listen. You're a, you're an avid listener. We appreciate it all the time. You text avid gamer episode. as well. Avid gamer. Game so we've been talking about now. You and I used to play lots of games together when we were in college. We play NBA 2K in your bedroom. We play various other things. You were uh, you were a PS4 guy, and I was mm-hmm. an Xbox One guy. Um, yep. And so we've got the new generation of consoles coming out here in two months. And you were like, "Hey, we should talk about like what you're planning on doing." You know, you know, to see if we're going to continue because I play still quite a bit of Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty, and other things. I'm really trying to get it all out of my system before my son gets here. Um, so I still play pretty avidly, but also like we use the Xbox for Netflix, all that other kind of stuff. So it's funny you asked me this question because I actually pre-ordered mine today. Oh, wow. So you got through. Yeah, I, I got on this morning at 10 a.m. local time uh, and was able to snag an Xbox Series S, which is the smaller version. Yep. So... Um, they had the I, Series X and the Series S, so I was able to get through and get a a console uh, that will be at my house. Hopefully, God willing, Lord willing, the creeks don't rise. It'll be here in November. Okay. Well, I'm I'm a little jealous of you, as you know. Sony had the whole debacle. They said pre-orders will be open tomorrow. I think all of the retailers had like no lie. This is what happened in Memphis. There were just a bunch of people in GameStop. And they were like, why don't we just sell these now? And they sold out in five minutes. Yeah. And so I showed up the next day to GameStop. And uh, I was in line with all these people. And the guy comes out and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we sold out. Sorry. And so uh, Sony has come out and said, you know, in the next few days, they're going to be more pre-orders available. But I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I know some people are, are kind of... Uh, I don't know. It's like they're afraid that the new console is going to be bad, which I don't really get because how many consoles have you bought? And you're like, man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
you know, it's not really the console so much as the games. Um, but anyways, I, uh, I too will be a pre-order guy. I was curious if that might change for you being that, uh, you know, having a kid and all that. Well, I just know like we, the, the Xbox one that I have is primarily used for a lot of our streaming and media stuff. So I watch a ton of YouTube on it. We watch a lot of Netflix, a lot of HBO max. Uh, I also run my Google Chromecast through it. So like I'll watch a ton of soccer. So I, I will use my Google Chromecast to throw stuff onto my Xbox from my phone. Um, you know, and, and, and so like 80% of the use that my Xbox is used for is non video game related. Um, so, you know, we just, I could have gone and paid $600 for the big or $500 for the big like Xbox series X, but like, I don't need something that's going to be able to should I find one? So, like, I don't need all of that. I just need something that can play Netflix and I can still play with my buddies on every, you know, a couple nights a week or whatever. And I can, you know, and I can pull up a soccer game or two during the week. I don't need something, you know, I don't even have a TV that that broadcasts in 4K. So it's like, I don't need something. That's the whole thing is like the, the top line the top of the line new consoles are for 4k or 4k available but i don't have a tv so it's like if i buy that i'm wasting money because i then i have to or i have to go buy a new tv as well yeah so it's like and another thing was is like the series x has a disc drive so you can play like movies and stuff um which we have a lot of blu-rays but my basically the series s which i got is 200 dollars cheaper than the the larger version yeah so it basically boiled down to is, am I willing to pay $200 for a Blu-ray player? Uh, and the answer to that was just no. Yeah. Um, so um, I went with the smaller so one that has no disk drive. I have, I have one more bit on this. And I, I just I can't wait to hear your reaction to this. So you and I have a buddy named Matthew, right? Mm. A lot of, lot of friend shout outs on this episode. Uh, Matthew is suspiciously bad at technology. It makes no sense. He grew up with an iPhone. He has been a gamer his whole life, like you and I. He does everything that we do, and yet technology is just not intuitive to him in the same way. And it's not that he's, like, dumb or anything. It doesn't make sense. He's just kind of, like, old feeling when it comes to technology. So, anyways, we were talking about this, and uh, I was texting him in a group. And I mentioned, you know, the price of the PS5. And he's like, man, that's pretty steep. And I said, well, there's a digital edition that doesn't have a disk drive. And, you know, it's a hundred bucks cheaper. I know that you buy a lot of your games through the store or whatever online. So that might be a good option. Matthew goes, what is a digital console? That like, that scares me. Do I just buy it? online like how does that work like he didn't Wait, think the, it was a physical so does he think console the, does he think the digital console means like <laughs> it's almost like an emulator right yes like, like, when, yeah. when i said digital edition he and maybe i explained it wrong no he's just dumb <laughs> but yeah i that made me laugh that was like ten thirty on a wednesday and I was like, that so is in his mind, when you, get a, when you get a digital console, it's something that you just like, you pull up on your TV. I guess. I don't and know. And it's like, you know, it, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, man. Matthew. Legend. Matthew, he is a legend. We need to have him on someday to talk about, I don't know, 
Well, I don't know. He hasn't seen a movie since like 1987, so I don't know. <laughs> he, Matt, Matthew's Matt, big on epics. He watches Matt's, a lot of like wartime stuff. Yeah, Matt's Matt's about as technologically advanced. Like Matt Matthew's level of technology is like he's the guy that like worked at Radio Shack in 1988 and then like left to do to like wait wait tables and but he just thinks that like everything that we've got now is just whatever Radio Shack was selling when he was there. <laughs> but it's uh, funny because again, he has the 4K TV, he has the PS4, he has the iPhone. His iPhone's probably newer than mine is. I have an eight. But it's like it just doesn't it doesn't click the same way. Well, that's why we love him. Absolutely. So speaking of people we love, oh, your Christopher friends always get me, bro. <laughs> I don't know his middle name, but Christopher R. Nolan felt right as I said it. Um, Tenet. We went to the theaters. We did. We that was. Um, it's the second movie I've seen in theaters since we've come back. Uh, the first one was I went to the 10th anniversary of Inception. So I've only seen Christopher Nolan films in the theaters. Um, you saw it a little earlier than me. Uh, you saw it like the night it released. Uh, well, even before that, it released. It was supposed to release on September 4th. I think you said you saw it like August 31st or something like that. Yeah, um, it was a couple days and, before. And I didn't get to see it till this past weekend. So it, I saw it like September I think I saw it two exactly two weeks after it came out. I think I saw it the 18th. Um, yeah, so we're going to spend this episode talking about uh, Tenet and what we thought about it. We want this to be a, I said in our intro, this to be kind of a shorter movie review episode. We never wanted this podcast to be a movie review podcast. And Lord willing, it's not going to just turn into us talking about movies we just recently saw. Um, but we do want to make sure that we take some time to review new movies when they come out, especially one that's as highly anticipated as Tenet and one that comes from a director that we love so much. Um, so our goal today is just to talk about the film, give you a little taste of what it's like if you've never heard of it, uh, which I think would probably be if you listen to our podcast, it's unlikely that you've not heard of it. Um, but we want to give you a little taste of what it's like, tell you who acts in it, tell you more about Christopher Nolan, maybe if you haven't listened to our other episodes or don't know any of his work. Uh, and then... We'll take a break and then come back and talk about the movie things we, you know, just like we did with the quick flick picks a few weeks ago. We want to make sure that we let, you know, at the back half of this episode, there'll probably be a couple spoilers. Um, just some when we discuss things we like or dislike, we want to make sure we can talk about them in full. Um, and so there might be some spoilers, but we're not going to go out of our way to to tell you the whole plot of the movie. Um, yeah. So front half spoiler free we'll take a break and then after the break we'll break down some of the more involved concepts in the movie and and probably spoil a few things so you'll be good up until that second break yeah so we've got we've got some time actually we don't need to take a break just yet um why don't you tell a little about uh just the film and who's acting in it and uh we'll we can do the front half of the movie review uh right now okay cool so Primary actors in this movie are John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. Uh, Two more up-and-coming type guys, specifically John David Washington. Robert Pattinson, of course, has been acting for a while. He's Edward Cullen in the Twilight Saga. Do you like how you use Saga? More importantly, I have another podcast that's all about Harry Potter. More importantly than Edward Cullen, he's Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter films. I would say more importantly, yes. Either one. And uh, both are terrific actors. 
Specifically, I, dude, I'm all in on Robert Pattinson. I've bought all too. of the Robert Pattinson stock. He's about to be Batman. He's he's in something else big that's coming out soon. Um, I can't remember it, but either way, he is uh, on a run right now that's that's going to resemble the one Chris Pratt was on a few years ago. I think a lot of IP franchises are going to snatch him up because he is terrific. And uh, so, and then of course, the director being Christopher Nolan, who the previous episode of Sunday Matinee was all about director of Dark Knight series trilogy, uh, Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Memento, The Prestige, all of the above. So, yep. we have a great and, director. We have two up and coming actors. Suspiciously, though, not a list stars. No, so, no, John David John David Washington too. He's uh he's Denzel Washington's son. So, um, he is related to Denzel. So, uh, they they. They don't exactly look alike, and he doesn't like have that kind of Denzel swagger exactly. But the um, voice—he is, Den- is Denzel's son. Yeah, he doesn't sound anything like Denzel. Uh, he doesn't really look anything like Denzel, but he is Denzel's son. And uh, if he didn't get the voice or the looks, he definitely got his acting chops because I think John David's great. He's John David was also in Black Klansman as well, right? Yes. Yeah. He's the yeah. he's the lead in that movie, and I I really like that movie. But essentially, and and I'm gonna give plot overview not like spoiler but just kind of a kind of where this movie takes us yep basically we have john david washington and robert pattinson being these two special ops agents commissioned to stop this madman who's going to end the world essentially um and they can do this by moving forward and backward in time it's unfortunate that as can um, as can our bad guy. So it, it's basically this race against time, chasing him, um, trying to basically change a few things in the future that will save the world. It, is that kind of overview vague enough, Jordan? Do you think that's that's sufficient? yeah? I think that's I think that's vague enough. I think I think a lot of we're going to talk a lot about, or I am specifically going to talk about this movie quite a bit. Uh, and stand it up next to Inception. Um, and the reason for that being, this is a time movie like Inception. You know, they go into a dream within a dream. And, you know, when you get to a dream within a dream, time moves slower. So there's a lot. Christopher Nolan likes playing with time. He's done it now in Memento. He's done it in Interstellar. He's done it in Inception. And now he's made it the focal point of the movie in, in Tenet. Um, Tenet is essentially a espionage time it's like a time heist espionage type film um and really that's the best way to try to explain it without spoiling a lot of things you have john david washington's character who is working to try to bring down this this bad guy who's played by kenneth branagh kenneth branagh is also in dunkirk he also directed the first thor movie in the mcu he's also He's, he's been a lot of things. I know him primarily as Gilderoy Lockhart from the Harry Potter movies. Um, so if that rings a bell, there you go. He's great in this movie. We'll get more into what we liked about specific acting performances. But um, the whole idea is that John David Washington's character, alongside with Robert Pattinson's character, are, are working to bring down this plot to basically wipe off um, the present people that live on the face of the earth um, to save the future people. That's really the best way you can try to explain it. Yeah, and I, 
I do think you make a very good point talking about espionage. Specifically, the first half of this movie, it really feels like a Bond film. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Christopher Nolan, notable fan of James Bond, he is a a Brit as well. So, um, it you can tell that he had a lot of fun making a movie like this, which is so different than his other films. In that, it it is kind of a action movie, more than a movie with this big, deep emotional feeling about life you know which so many of his other movies seem to come to at the end and some people love that about them some people hate that about them specifically a movie like interstellar is a great example that you know it's all about time and space we're bouncing around these different planets finding these different things but then at the end it's about love matters family matters you know this relationship with a father and daughter and some people I, i think that drives crazy and then other people that that makes the movie worthwhile. This is this is a genre film, I would say. Yeah. It it it, yeah. it is like a James Bond movie that has some weird time stuff in it. Has some has a sprinkle of Christopher Nolan in it. Uh, and so, you know, most people would hear that and say, "Oh, good, I can turn my brain off a little bit." But I, no. I would say uh, this one is probably the hardest to follow of any of his movies. At least it was for me. Is that yeah. how Yeah. So why don't we do this? We'll take a break because I, I don't know how much further we can get into it without wanting to jump on things we like or dislike or explain the movie further. So we're going to take a quick break here. Once we come back from the break, understand that spoilers may happen. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want things to be spoiled, again, we're not going to go out of our way to spoil things, but in talking about the movie, it's going to be natural that we talk about plot points and theme. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to hear it, I would suggest coming back to the episode afterward. Or if you just don't care, say screw it and listen to the whole thing. That's perfectly fine. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk more at length about the movie itself and plot points. And I know that Mason has a lot that he wants to say. Um, and I have uh, not a lot, but definitely less than Mason to say. Uh, but we're going to get into some other finer points of the movie. So, Tenet. We'll be right back. Welcome back in to episode 11 of Sunday Matinee. We're going to talk now a little bit more at length about Tenet, what we think about it, what we like, what we dislike. Again, just as we said at the beginning before the break, if you don't want things spoiled for you, don't listen beyond this point. We're not going to go out of our way to spoil things. Uh, we'll try to avoid like telling you the ending of the movie and things like that, but we will have to talk about some plot points just out of the, the sake of necessity to, to spur on discussion. So I guess the first thing, I, my plan, Mason, and tell me if you have anything different. I want to talk a little bit about acting performances I like, talk about a couple plot points that I like and dislike, and then at the end, give it a, get us, give it a score out of 10, and then we'll add our scores together and give it a composite. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. I think something that would be helpful, at least, um, I don't know, for me just thinking about it, because it has been three weeks since I've seen this movie. Are you cool doing a quick high point, like the plot trajectory? Yeah, like I can, we start in the opera, obviously. Yep, I can, I can, I can run it down. Okay. All right. So, quick thirty thousand foot view of Tenet and its and its kind of story arc. It starts out in an opera house uh, in the Ukraine, and we see uh, John David Washington's character, who, by the way, he does not have a name, so 
Um, he his only name, and it says that if you look it up on IMDb, he's called the protagonist, and that is it. Which is the most pretentious garbage of all time. I don't I don't really hold that feeling, um, but for the sake <laughs> of for the sake of let's let's make it easy, Mason. I'm going to go ahead and say from now on, I'm going to refer to him and his character just as John. I'm going to call him the actor's name. So we'll call okay. him John, just so we don't have to say the protagonist eight thousand times. So we have John, uh, aka the protagonist. It's the last time I'm going to call him the protagonist. Uh, we have John is in. He's basically taken on the role. Uh, uh, he's faking as a Russian police agent. They go in because they have to rescue this guy who's been made. He's a CIA agent. Um, and there's, they're going to bomb this opera house while he's trying to do this raid. He is shot at with a bullet that seems to move back in time. And of course that is weird because you're not used to seeing bullets go in reverse. Um, and he sees the person that did it, albeit wearing a mask, the rescue mission kind of goes awry and he's captured and is tortured on a train, uh, like in a train yard with on a bunch of railroad tracks. And uh, he is he is so far tortured so far as to having all of his teeth pulled from his face. Um, he winds up finding a way to get to a cyanide pill. A lot of agents you'll see in movies uh, will they have a little pill that if they're compromised, they chew the cyanide pill and it's supposed to kill them instantly. So he winds up getting that. However, he wakes up a couple weeks later and he's on a boat and he's had his mouth reconstructed. Um, and he is told by some unknown person. Uh, that he is passed some test to be a part of this organization uh, in this movement called Tenet, T-E-N-E-T, the name of the film, obviously. Um, and Tenet is just something he is a part of that's not really explained what that organization is. And of course, if you were John or the protagonist in this point, you're wondering what's going on. However, he's told... Or if you're of, just watching the movie in general, you're, or you're wondering... Or just as an audience it. member, you're wondering what that means, how he made it out of the train yard, how he's still alive, how they got teeth <laughs> that look so nice. Um, all of these things. Um, you're wondering what that means, and so, and so does John. So he is told that he should go see a guy about a thing, um, and so he's on... He goes, the next scene, he's kind of... He's let to. He's left to heal. He's put in a wind turbine and he's picked up and he's taken to meet the scientist who is played by the same girl that played Fleur Delacour in the Harry Potter films. So I'm all. I'm chock full of. There's three Harry Potter actors in this film, so I'm a big fan. Um, he meets a scientist where he's explained vaguely the idea of what inversion means or time reversal. And he's shooting a gun, but as you may have seen it in the trailer, that the bullets are reversing out of the uh, target he's shooting at into the gun. And he's explained that basically over the last few years, scientists have been discovering <coughs> artifacts that are moving backward in time. Things like bullets, things like trinkets, things like um, metallic materials and things like that. And they're trying to figure out why this is. Um, the scientists, again, played by, I'm just going to call her Fleur Delacour because I don't know that we ever get her name. Um, Fleur explains to John <laughs> I'm talking about two characters that don't have those things um, Fleur explains to John that um, he is being tasked and brought aboard this idea of Tenet to basically she says as I understand it we're trying to stop World War 3 now that brings us in a certain direction to John is going to have to meet up with a bunch of people to, to try to figure out what's going on with these inverted materials, how they're being inverted, 
basically what it boils down to is there are there is an organization or a group of you know bad guys in the future that have figured out how to send things back in time and during that time period uh in the future there has been a scientist who has discovered um you know this time reversal um but she once she discovers this she realizes that it can be used for bad things and they and they reference the I don't remember the scientist's name that created the atomic bomb that wound up wiping out Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, that scientist lived with a ton of guilt. So this scientist in the future in the world of tennis has figured out that time travel can, or the, her version of time travel can be used to do dastardly things to the past. And so what these bad guys want to do is they've realized in their future, it, it, well, in their present, our future, that the world has kind of gone to hell in a handbasket. Um, things like global cl- things like climate change and global warming and war and things like that have ravaged the future. And so their goal is, is if they can go back in time and basically wipe out the people that have caused all these issues, that that'll kind of right the ship, so to speak, and whatever's happening in their present will cease to exist because they got rid of the cause. Are we tracking so far, Mason? Yeah, and, and that, of course, leads us... He gets sent to Priya, and Priya sends him to Michael Caine. And, you know, we're following this string of important people all the way to the wife, um, who he then meets at dinner. And then we get explained, uh, that was a nice Harley. You still at Starbucks? Yeah, I'm still sitting here. There's uh, a Mini Cooper just drove by me having an engine that's does not belong in a mini cooper um i love that you got to compensate for something somehow so um yep. yeah so he's he's sent on this long rabbit trail and he meets up with this girl named cat who is the estranged wife of our big bad guy played by kenneth branagh uh, what was his last name uh, mm, i'm trying to remember <sighs> that's gonna bother me I- I, I'm running it up on IMDb right now. Keep going. Yeah. So the bad guy has basically working. He's working for these people in the future that are sending information and inverted materials back to him um, so that he can accomplish this plan because this future scientist, uh, like we said, lived with so much guilt about what she had created that she basically came up. She, she encapsulated Sator. Sator, right. Um, she enca- she encapsulated the ability to wipe out the pr- the past into this thing called the algorithm, uh, which is this I guess you would call it an artifact where it's it's basically like um, the Infinity Gauntlet. You know, you've got to assemble all the pieces, and once you assemble all the pieces, you can you know snap your fingers and do whatever you want. Yeah, it's just three pieces. Uh, well, no, it's nine. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so but the algorithm. Where I got she, that from, right? Yeah, yeah. She spread right. Yeah, she spread out. Um, yeah, you're. It, they each took three of the, yes of the nine. Yeah. Um. So, she spread out all of these basically components that could wipe out, you know, humankind in the past, into different places. And so basically, this bad guy Sater has been given the information and knowledge and whereabouts to find these things. And once he compiles it, he'll be able to essentially pull a Thanos and accomplish his mission. And so John is sent to, to his estranged wife, Kat, to try to get in. And so basically the whole movie is John via a 
series of unrelated of individuals trying to get to this Seder guy to keep him from ending the world as we know it. And he's doing it on the orders of an organization that we don't know anything about. Yeah. I think that's it. And he's assisted by Robert Pattinson, whose name is Neil. Yep. That, that is helpful. And of course, so I I do just want to do a quick, a quick thing about this. A problem I have with the movie. So Christopher Nolan needs dialogue dumps in his movie. He needs to come out throughout. He needs, he needs his, uh, what's the word? Expo- he needs exposition, right? Yeah, he needs exposition to say, hey, here's what the heck's going on. And we get that in Inception. We get that in uh, Interstellar at times. Inception is, is a really good example of it. The Prestige has some too, where we have a character come out and say, here's what's going on. He'll often use a metaphor. Sometimes he uses uses different terms and definitions that he creates. So Inception is chock full of them. You, we have totems. We have uh, kicks. We have these different things that, that Christopher Nolan makes up that help give us a language to talk through these things. Yeah, there's a scene in Inception where Joseph Gordon-Levitt basically walks Ellen Page's character through how the whole thing works. Right, and like, some people no. would call that lazy storytelling. However, when we have plots that are this dense, it's it's really hard to get without it. So it's necessary. Yeah. And I to my recollection, we have one such expositional um little little scene here, and it's the one with Flor Delacour at the shooting range. And really it it primarily deals with inversion, the gun. You, you shoot backwards by performing the dropping motion i i didn't really it that dialogue dump almost gave me more questions than answers i was like what does that mean also why does moving a bullet backwards remember she says that it it's like going faster or it's more lethal backwards than forwards right why like i there were so many things that i was like not great <laughs> I wish you would have tackled a, well, a couple other things let's, with let's, this five-minute section. I, I think this is a point that about dislikes. Let's get into that because I think this is something that we both dislike. To yeah. for for Tenet to be a film that can be appreciated, understood, and seen as groundbreaking, the mechanics and the science. And the explanation, I'm okay with, you know, you getting as far out in left field as you want to get. But I have to be able to grasp that to fully appreciate it. And I think that this whole movie being about, you know, inversion and not necessarily time travel, it's simply moving backward through time. No parallel universes, all one universe moving forward and back. You can't just hop. It's not time travel in the sense that they have some kind of machine that you can hop in and go back 10 years. You just, you invert yourself and you're going back at the same speed, but walking at the same speed. So like if you wanted to go back two weeks, what you do is you invert yourself and you live those two weeks over again in reverse. That's that's what it's talking. It's not just like time. It's not like, you know, Doc Brown and Michael J. Fox, where you, you know, you drive 88 miles an hour in the door and all of a sudden you're 20 years younger. That's not how this right. works. Right. So if for 
this movie to make sense, again, like I said earlier, I'm going to compare it a lot to Inception. It, Inception was one of the first movies that I was ever like, wow, I don't understand what's going on. I need to watch this again. Um, but I felt comfortable after a couple of viewings that I was like, okay, wow, this is still like crazy and it's far out there. I understand the mechanics. I, again, I've only seen Tenet once. If I see it again, I will probably start to pick up things a little easier. But most people aren't going to be going to see a Christopher Nolan film six times till they grasp it. Because most people don't have that kind of patience or have a podcast where it behooves them to do such a thing. Right. And and here's my, my thing. I'm going to say some potentially aggressive things about this movie and this podcast. I'm sure I'd like it more on a second watch. But I think it says something about your movie that a sentient being that has seen a lot of other movies, has seen all of your movies, doesn't get it. Like, I got probably 70 to 80% of it. Yep. But the fact that I was dialed in, I obviously wasn't on my phone because I'm in a movie theater and I'm not a barbarian. I, like, I was there. I was watching the entire thing. And yet, I was like, "You're going out of your way to make this difficult." The, the... Can I, yeah, and I'll, let me let me put it away that you may agree with, or this may not be getting to your point. I think I I 100% understand why what inversion is and what he is trying to accomplish with it. I 100% understand the science. I just don't understand why it matters. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems I, more I like a understand. plot device. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why it matters. Um, I, I vaguely understand the science of it. Again, if I see it again, I'm like, okay, got it. Nail it down. But I think even after a second, after a third, and maybe even after a fourth viewing, I might come out to the conclusions like, I, I don't know why this matters. Yeah. Because and I, I, I do want to make clear, too, that I want to like this movie. I, um, yeah. I think I like I, I'm not like a yeah. I hate every movie I see guy. No, you're not. Um, but anyways, I, I felt that we needed more exposition to understand because there is something that, that's pretty jolting about this movie. Tell me how you felt about this. There's little to no transitions. I mean, we're just dropped in the middle of country after country in setting after setting. And and all of a sudden, we're just doing this thing that whatever we're doing. Um which is disorienting, but also, honestly, follows espionage themes. Like, that's what watching a James Bond movie, yes, a Mission Impossible movie say. is. Yeah. You watch James Bond because you want to see him shoot stuff and hand-to-hand combat and hot women and, you know, eight different shooting locations. That's what a Bond movie is. Um, and that's essentially what this has become. This was, um, again the whole to get the whole thing about and and that's the thing is like another thing that's frustrating too about the inversion thing not really making sense is that the the final big epic scene which was dope which is dope but i feel like it falls flat because the inversion thing is not fully explained this is supposed to be the moment where it all comes together and you understand how the science works and how doing this thing that they're doing makes sense and how it's so important. But honestly, I didn't feel a sense of 
like I, I didn't feel the sense of like I, I always knew that they were going to figure it out. And of course you you know that the good guys win unless it's like Avengers Infinity War. Like you know, hey, the good guys are gonna win here. I, I just because it didn't make sense throughout the film, I wasn't as like excited for the big final culmination of all the science and the espionage and all of it kind of culminating. It's supposed to be this huge crash. Um, and it just kind of whimpered instead. Um, yeah, and it, it it does mirror the scene like it in Inception towards the end too, where they're moving on the different, I guess, like dream levels all at the same time on different time planes. Um, and, and so there's definitely a reference there. But the difference being, of course, that that Inception scene is very powerful because we do understand the science and it does make sense why we're doing these things. And I, I think part of what our lostness comes from is our literal protagonist, the protagonist, understands the least about this stuff of any other character in the movie. He is the most lost. He has the least information of anyone, including Neil, including Priya, including Kat, including Sater. Agreed? Yeah. I, and, it, uh, and it also almost kind of seems like it's not Im- it's like like of course he needs to understand it but it's almost not like this pressing thing because it's like well john's just gonna figure it out because he's the protagonist but also like he's not like in a hurry to try to figure it all out either it's just like right. Right, what do i need to do to get through this one thing yeah um yeah. whereas neil you find out robert pattinson's character knows a lot more about it um so we've talked about a negative i want to talk about a positive which is robert pattinson's performance um and his character neil was written so wonderfully and uh there's there and i was thinking about this a lot recently there's a movie that he came he came out on netflix netflix original called the devil all the time uh you and i texted about this um it's got tom holland who plays spider-man it's got bill skarsgård who plays pennywise in the new it films it's got jason clark who's been in lawless and a couple other things. It's got Riley Keough, it's got Eliza Scanlon, and it's got Robert Pattinson. Now, Robert Pattinson's character in that film sucks. It sucks. (laughs) And it's not Robert Pattinson's fault. I don't even know who the director is of that movie, but that movie is terrible, okay? And I literally saw that movie on Thursday night on Netflix, watched it at home, and then I went and saw Tenet on Friday, and I was like, Okay, so Robert Pattinson doesn't suck. This is just what's brilliant about having a director that knows what he's doing. Um, right. Robert Pattinson's, it, in my opinion, of all the movies I've seen, it's his best performance in Tenet. He's like savvy and good looking and dangerous and all. But of also things. funny. Clever, like, yeah, very yeah, clever. Yeah, he, he accomplishes all these things while being funny. And he's probably the only character I really wound up caring about whether he lived or died. Yeah. Uh, the him and maybe like Cat, uh, who is Sater's estranged wife. Those are I, the protagonist. You just kind of knew was going to make it out. Um, and, and listen, John David Washington was great. He was great, but I just don't think like again we've talked about the fact that he didn't like. He didn't. It. He knew the least about the whole thing that he was doing, even though he was the main guy that was doing it. I cared more because I felt like Robert Pattinson's character was more nuanced and more layered than. Uh, John David Washington's and that's not John David Washington's fault that's just the way that it was written um yeah so So Robert Pattinson I would agree steals most of the scenes that he's in he is far and away 
the most magnetic person on the screen. If I were to say something about John David Washington that that I found cool, um, did you know he's a former college football player? John David no, Washington. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that definitely shows up. Like the action scenes that John David Washington is in, specifically the kitchen scene after dinner with Cat. You can tell he's athletic guy. He's not like a awkward, uncoordinated dude that you know trained for a year to look normal punching someone. He looks very natural and cool when he does it. Um, and so I, I think he, much like his dad, we could see him in a ton of action stuff moving forward. Um, but I, I would agree with you that Robert Pattinson is the most notable performance here. However, I, I'm just talking in circles here. Kenneth Branagh in this movie great, is great. is overacting super bad. But if you just let yourself buy in, um, it is so entertaining. He was probably the most entertaining part of the movie to me. I, yeah, I mean, he's so he's a he's a British gentleman, but he he's got a thick Russian accent, um, and he did ham it up a little bit. Um, but like, it's not it's not distracting. I don't think um, that tiger line he says, which I don't even remember it, but I remember he was talking about he was likening himself to a tiger. Incredible, yeah, amazing. He's great. Um, I I just think, you know, I, I think the acting performances that were given were very good. I just think, like, I think maybe Christopher Nolan was trying to do a little too much. Um, it's just, it. if you, I'm I, like I said, I'm cool if you want to get as weird as you want, but it has to make sense within the world that you created. Another thing that I just don't, love and you'll agree with this i think is that the whole crux of the final act is them trying to go and get this they call it the algorithm which is basically this um this thing the scientists you know broke into nine pieces and scattered around the world um so it's basically like we we likened it to the infinity gauntlet so they're basically going to get the infinity gauntlet to destroy it um the thing that I am frustrated by is we never get any explanation as to why or how it can end the world. Um, yeah. It doesn't even look like something that could end the world. It looks like a really bad contemporary college art project. Um, there are eight of those on union university's campus right now. Yeah. If you assemble them at, you know, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it's like it's calls the second coming of Christ or something like that. I don't know, but it, it you never this is supposed to be the big MacGuffin of the film, and you're never explained how it works. Like again, standing it up next to Inception, the whole thing is he has to complete this job for Saito because if he does not, he will be arrested and he will never see his family again. That's the important thing. So you understand, okay, everything they're going through right now is so that. Saito gets what he wants and Cobb can get back to his children. That's the whole crux. And once you understand that you under, you can accept some of the other sciencey out there things with this. It's like, they have to get this algorithm thing. Well, how does it work? I don't know. It's not explained. What does it look like? Oh, uh, well, we've got this one metal box and I guess there's eight more of them. Uh, okay. Well, how does it destroy the, how does it destroy the world? I don't know. Do you? They never even something with inversion. I'm guessing. Do you blow it up? Do you? Do you hit people with it? Is it? A, is it like the staff of Moses? Like what is it? It they, they never explain that. So it's like I can't even bring myself to like once they got the algorithm, I was like, 
okay, that was easy. Like what? I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, yeah. So, it, and do we need to take a break now, or, or are we, uh, yeah, we good? Yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and and wrap this up. Just and ten more minutes. Yep, yep. We'll wrap this up. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we're back to wrap this up. So we were just saying, you know, um, there's just there's great acting performances, um, but there's just some things about the whole science of the thing and the explanation of how this works and why it matters that I just think falls a little flat. Whereas Inception, it took me a few times to understand it. It listen, I, I to be fair, I think if I would have reviewed Inception right after the first time I'd seen it. I might be saying a lot of the same things. So I want to make sure that I stay transparent in saying that um, because I couldn't fully appreciate the film. However, I think being that I'm 10 years older now and can kind of comprehend things a little bit better, um, I still think that if I even if I saw this movie another five times in theaters, it's not going to be in the same stratosphere as Inception. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could watch 20 minutes of Tenet and tell you it's not as good as Inception. Okay. I'm going to give you two things. My my favorite thing about the movie, and then I'm going to give you just kind of my, my summary why it doesn't work. Yeah, please. So my favorite thing are the action set pieces. We have some of the biggest, best, coolest action set pieces of any Nolan film. And, and set piece basically just means like the the setting, the things blowing up, the things tumbling over and you know, where all of this takes place. Yeah. I, I'll, let me cut across you just for a second. I was going to say the same thing. I'll let you finish, but like there to explain, there's a scene where they crash an, an airplane into an airport. Uh, Christopher Nolan is known for committing to things like in the inception scene where they're, the hallway is spinning around and, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's yep. running on the walls and then the ceiling, yep. he built a rotating corridor and they filmed that for real. Uh, there, I saw some behind-the-scenes footage. They actually bought an airplane and, for real, crashed it into an airport to film that scene. So Christopher Nolan is as committed to his big set pieces as he's ever been, and it really pays off because the action sequences in this film are be- are better than every other set piece, I think, as far as action goes in his other movies. I, I love the action set pieces. Yes. So the plane is a notable one. The opera was cool. I, th- yes. I really liked that. And then um, Robert Pattinson does the thing when they first go see Priya. They're bungee jumping like into a place and then leaving via bungee jumping. That's cool. The big scene at the end is really cool where they like basically create that battleground and go down into the yeah, gulag or a, whatever that was. There's like, a shot. There's a shot where because in the end scene, they have a group of soldiers who are moving in normal time. And then they have another group of soldiers who are inverted and are moving they're moving forward in their own minds, but they're actually look like they're moving backwards. If you're moving forward normally, it's again, a lot of science. It's not really paying off, but uh, there's a part where they coordinate to both shoot at a building with an RPG. And so one hits one is shot by the forward moving team and it hits the building. And then at the same time, you see like an explosion dissipate, like or originate in the building and then like basically suck back out because it was shot by the inverted team. So like just the, the picture of that, like one rocket hitting a building while the others kind of sucked out of it and seeing the building explode is like a really great, I, I was like, wow, that's something I've never even seen before. Or what did you Yeah. It, and same with that chase scene. I mean, that chase scene was so innovative where, yeah. where the one car is moving forward, the other's moving backward. 
a lot of this stuff is so, so cool. And we have great actors that are great at doing action, like John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. And it's all exciting and great. It's everything in between that just doesn't make sense that, that kills it. Because here's the thing. For me to like a movie, it either needs to have characters that I care about at all, or it needs to have a really, really, really cool plot and concept that I get sucked in by Inception as a movie like this. I kind of care about Cobb. All of the other characters are kind of nameless and faceless to me. Um, But the plot is just so darn cool that I'm all in. This movie went even farther than Inception in terms of you know, we're not really going to write out strong characters. We don't have time for that. We're just going to go all in on this concept. And yet the concept is given to us in such a convoluted way that doesn't make sense. And part of it, I get it. It's kind of following the James Bond storytelling. But there's a reason James Bond can do that. And it's because it's not manipulating time. You know, we're, we're just playing poker with some guys and. One of them's going to try to kill me, and I'm going to kill him instead. Like, that's James Bond. This is really complex. And when you just drop characters into situations and say, yeah, go do that thing you're supposed to do, it, it's really disorienting. I don't, I don't think the storytelling medium works at all. And so, um, anyways... There are some really cool, fun things happening. It was great to be in a theater again. I would go watch it again. I don't view it as a waste of time. It was a very beautiful no. movie. You great. Should, I think you should go see it. I definitely do. Um, I, I definitely think you should see it. Uh, I plan on seeing it again in theaters. Yeah. I, I do, too. I do, too. Um, I think I was just is, frustrated like because I have a different it's expectation. It's huge. And it's scope and it's scale. It's a huge... like. It's a movie that I'm going to be like, it like, and honestly, man, I wouldn't have wanted to go back to the theaters for my very first movie from COVID-19 for any other movie than a Christopher Nolan film. And I think this was worth going back to the movie for, and I plan on doing it again. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really didn't, I didn't have a bad time. Part of my frustration stems from there are so many cool bones and aspects to this movie that just mean very little because it, it almost went out of its way to be difficult. And one of those things, too, tell me if you got this. Dude, I struggled to understand, like, 30% of the words said in this movie. Like, the sound mixing at times just didn't I, – I couldn't even tell what people were saying. And, am yeah. I losing hearing, or were you there as well? No, I, I, I kind of feel that way, too. And I'm also crippled. I don't know. If you do this, I, I love dialogue, like, especially if it's good and uh, almost more, especially if it's bad, because then it's funny. Um, I watch like I watch Netflix. I watch with subtitles and I know that might be weird, um, but like when I watch stuff at home, I always use subtitles. And so when I go to a movie, I'm like, crap, if I miss something, then it's like I'm screwed until this comes out on digital, because then I right. then I watch it with <laughs> subtitles. Um, but yeah, there were some moments where I was like, man, I didn't really catch that. Um and it might just be because they're British, you know, in this movie. And so I'm, I'm not used to, like, listening to people speak like that. But I've seen other things online, too, where they're like, man, why does Christopher Nolan layer sound to where it's almost completely, like, unintelligible what is, what is actually being said? Um, yeah. But anyways. A quick theory that 
I want to get your – I hope you haven't seen this online. What do you think about the theory that Neil is Kat's son? Oh, wow. Grown up? Yes. So That's Neil, really cool. Neil, you find out, is has been working for Tenet the whole time, and he's actually helping the protagonist in, in the present, but he's actually come back from the future. Um, Kat, who is Seder, the bad guy's estranged wife, has a son, and so her whole emotional story arc is she wants to Sater is basically holding things over her head to keep her and her son safe. And so she wants to get rid of Sater simply for the fact that she can be with her son. Her son's name is Max, which is short for Maximilian. Um, and it is spelled M-A-X-I-M-I-L-I-E-N. And when you invert the name Maximilian, the last four letters are N. And if you invert it, it's Neil. Mm. Um, and so there's this theory online that you know, because the protagonist saved Cat, they're from in their future. It's safe to assume that they'd have some sort of relationship, where her son Max Maximilian and they would build this friendship. So you're breathing like right into the mic, brother. You get your phone right. <laughs> <in> your <face. laughs> it was probably getting a little close to my face. Yeah. Um, so that, there's a theory that yeah, there's a theory, and I don't know that adds anything i guess it's kind of cool but you learn right at the end that neil has known the protagonist for a long time um but you know the protagonist doesn't know that yet because he's not in the future yet like neil has come from uh so there's a theory that that's actually cat's son which i don't know if that's really ironclad but i saw it on was like huh all right interesting yeah no I, i think that's really cool and i part of what would make that line up for me a little bit is those are really the only two characters that Nolan means for us to care about. Yeah. I think that's kind of evident in the movie. And unfortunately, Kat has been a a casualty of this podcast because she is also a bright spot in this movie. We haven't really gotten to talk to her much about, but her arc is probably not probably in in my opinion, it it is the coolest one in the movie. Yeah. Um, Of her trying to gain custody of her son, but not having this guy involved who's, insane and then of course the whole diving scene at the end and um the ramifications that has for present cat and future cat i thought all the stuff with cat was really cool outside of the um the whole art thing and that's why that was what he had over her i I didn't think it made a lot of sense no but you know i just kind of took that as it came like everything else in this movie so, just good things and bad things. Um, good things, I think we would say the action set pieces are grand and amazing and innovative and worthy of the price of admission alone. Um, the acting performances, specifically by Robert Pattinson, um, is amazing. Kenneth Branagh is, is overacting, but in a great way. Uh, John David Washington is a great lead, but, um, you know... He did. He did a wonderful job, but you know, I think that the emotional arcs are more tied to Neil and to Cat in this film. The actor performances are good. Uh, the cinematography, the way it's shot, is gorgeous, uh, second to none. Christopher Nolan, as far as his cinematography, in my opinion. Um, but then there's bad things like the whole time thing and version doesn't really make sense to the point that it lends anything substantive to 
the viewer liking the movie. No, I don't think anybody worth their salt is not going to go see this movie and say, wow, that whole inversion thing really added to my experience. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I say that, and that's kind of funny, but it's like the only cool thing I think the inversion thing winds up doing is providing for some extra wrinkles in the action scenes, like a, re- like a reverse moving car. Totally agree. Going backwards or explosions sucking into themselves. And, you know, um, unfortunately the main crux and the main whole plot point of this film just doesn't really land on its two feet. Like I hope think Christopher Nolan maybe hoped it would. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Are we ready for scores? Yeah. So let's give it a score out of um, let's, let's do a score out of a hundred. That way it's, you know, we can, or just, you know how, you know how decimals work, don't you? Let's just do it. Like you can do a decimal. <laughs> we can do a decimal point. That way we get an accurate uh, percentage for the film. And we'll do this as we do more uh, film reviews. So if you had to give it a score out of 10, again, decimal points being allowed, what would you give Tenet? I'm going to get 6.2. Okay. 6.2 out of 10 for Mason. I'm going to say a 7.1 simply because I think I'm frustrated that the whole time inversion thing didn't land like it was intended, but I still think the movie is a big enough spectacle to get me back to the theater seat at least once. And I'm not going to lie to you because I don't have a lot going on right now, maybe even twice. Um, I, I, I just I really do enjoy the film that much. If again, if the time thing was taken out and they added some other filler, this is a kick ass Bond movie. I mean, it, it just is. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it's hindered by its kind of lackluster, um, not lackluster, because obviously he thought through it quite a bit, but it, it just didn't stick. Maybe like the whole mechanics of Inception did. So that's why I took points off. So a six point two and a seven point one. Let's see, six, I'm doing quick math in my head, plus 7.1 is a 13.3 out of 20. So that gets us to a 6.7 overall. So this would have gotten, if we were in charge of Rotten Tomatoes between the two of us, if we were Ebert and Roper, this would have gotten a 67% out of 100. Um, Which again, and I think, funny enough, on Rotten Tomatoes, let me see what its Rotten Tomatoes score is. I think it's actually close to a 67%. Uh, it's a 72 on Rotten Tomatoes, so we're not that far. You were off. pretty close with your score then. Yeah, I was. I was, uh, a, a, you know, one percent off. Um, but you know, I, it's a good movie. You should go see it for the action sequences and the acting performances alone. But you probably, if you if you care about Christopher Nolan at all and you want his films to like make sense and be successful, uh, you're going to be slightly disappointed. Yeah, and if this were by a guy who I'd never seen any of his movies before, I might be closer to a seven-one. But I, I think just with some of the movies the we've seen Christopher Nolan higher. make, it, it's it's a different scale, exactly. Yeah. So that's our review of Tenet. We're gonna do more reviews soon. I want to give a little bit of a spoiler because every episode we've mentioned, or a spoiler, a little teaser is what I meant. Our next episode will take us into the month of October. Now, I don't know if you know this about Mason and I, but we are huge horror film fans, horror show fans. We're big spooky guys. We're spooky guys. We like we like Halloween. <laughs> we like the Halloween season. Um, and so we're going to do a couple episodes. Our, our, our two episodes that will fall in October will be spookily themed. Um, and so the first episode we're going to do is going to be another snake draft. We just did a snake draft last episode. 
but we had fun with it. And honestly, people interacted with it on our Twitter, on our Instagram voting who had the best roster of Chris Nolan films that we're going to do it again, but we're going to do it with our favorite horror films. Um, so we're going to pick and we don't have a pool. It's just, if you can think of a horror film, it is available to be drafted. Uh, we're going to pick four horror films and to make it interesting, we're bringing a third person onto the show and, you know, we've talked about him so much and he is typically the guy that watches a lot of horror movies with us. We're going to be bringing the one, the only Evan Van Helsing country ham Coons Reese on for his Sunday matinee debut. And he will be a third, uh, I guess, owner of a horror film franchise that will be drawing and uh, drafting for um, our snake draft. So we're going to have Evan on with us the next episode and the three of us are going to do a fun-filled, spooky-related uh, horror film snake draft. So I'm excited about that. Van Helsing's in his middle name. He's yeah. uh, he's going to be an addition. To this if he doesn't episode. get Van Hel- if he doesn't get that Van Helsing movie, if he doesn't draft the Van Helsing recent remake that had the guy that played Gaston in it, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I can't remember that guy. I think it's Zach something. I don't remember his name. Oh, uh, and I'm going to say this as well. I, I'm just feeling I'm feeling weird. I'm feeling guilty. I feel like I just yelled at whoever is listening to this podcast for the past 30 minutes. So come back. I'll be happier when we're talking about horror movies. Um, and, and it'll be very positive, uplifting experience. Yeah, we we, uh, you know, to use a line from Monsters, Inc., we scare because we care. Right. We uh, <laughs> we we we're disappointed not a ton, you know, we could have said this is a, this is a 3%, this is a 30% movie out of a hundred. Uh, there's a lot of things we like about the movie, but we're, we're sincere in the fact that we did have high expectations for the film, fell a little flatter than we wanted, but we still like the film. And I think we'll, we'll both see it again. Um, and it'll be a film that I probably wind up liking more than 7.1, but I just can't see myself. It'll never get into the same stratosphere and inception. Uh, and that stinks. Um, but, is Monsters Inc. eligible for next week's episode? Um, I would say no. That would definitely make my list. If so, I love Monsters Inc. Yeah, I think we got to stick with we're we're looking for actually scary films, <laughs> films that. Um, but um, yeah. Anyway, so that's our plan for next week. If you listen to this episode please make sure and give us a rating on itunes podcast that's where you can find us you can also find us on spotify if you're not following us on either of those platforms please go ahead and do that as of our previous episode about uh the snake draft with christopher nolan films we're officially on google podcast so if you have an android phone or you listen to something on like a google google tablet or something like that you can get our podcast there as well so we're on those three those three platforms primarily. You can find us simply by searching on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts by looking up Sunday Space Matinee spa, Space Radio or Sunday Matinee, right? Yeah, yeah, Sunday that's Matinee. It. You can find. I'm getting my my podcast mixed up. You can find us just by searching Sunday Matinee, two words spelled S U N D A Y Space M A T I N E E. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the the uh, the what am I saying usernames matinee m-a-t-i-n-e-e underscore pod p-o-d so you can find us on twitter instagram we post stuff over there pretty infrequently if we're going to be honest but we hope to be doing more of those things especially if we do uh snake more snake drafts in the future and movie reviews and things like that so go follow us over on those platforms interact with us there when we post a poll or something of that nature 
um, and be sure to subscribe on on um, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, and leave us a rating on iTunes. I don't know why it helps, but if we have any hope of getting moved up the charts, apparently we have to fill this ag- algorithm that iTunes has set up to get us up the charts. So if you wouldn't mind leaving a five star rating on iTunes, that would be a huge help. You don't have to say anything nice because, as we always say, you can't fix us with your words. We're beyond your help. Mason, anything else we need to say about Tenet or about our upcoming spooky episodes? I will say the uh, the iTunes podcast algorithm makes a little more sense than the uh, the aforementioned algorithm from Tenet. Just and barely. We yep. would love your reviews. We would love your reviews, and we would love your feedback. If you have anything, if you if you follow us or you're our friends, and you have any kind of suggestions for episodes. If you're our friends, uh, please, if you if you don't know us, uh, we probably won't have you on immediately. But if you're our friends and you have something you'd like to talk about or an idea for something, we're more than welcome to patch you in. We do it. We record remotely each and every episode. So, you know, maybe you come to us with an idea for an episode. We're like, hey, let's do that. We have you on. We'd more than we'd be more than willing to do that, because if we're allowing ourselves to let Evan Van Helsing, Country Ham Coons, Reese on this podcast, uh, we can bring on pretty much anybody. So that's all we've got for this week. Again, our, our total score for Tenet was 67% out of 100, but still go see it. The action sequences are worth the price of admission. Mason, it was great talking to you. And until our snake draft for our spooky films, Monsters, Inc. not included, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah, see you, Jay. Take care, See you, man. buddy. Care, man. Yeah, have a good one.